Hi, everyone. Well, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. There is new technological development and installation with 5G that uh, is looking as if it's going to radically change our world and how we interact with each other. There are global organizations helping to facilitate social reorganization. Every few days, the stock market seems to experience wild crashes and then rebounds. There's social media censorship, the rise of artificial intelligence, famines of greater frequency and more and greater intensity. There are earthquakes. There are rumors of conspiratorial plots orchestrated by shadowy elites, extreme weather events, wars, and rumors of war. Have you ever wondered whether the simultaneous constellation of these events are part of a bigger plan or purpose? Are we living in the end times, this period of history that um, even if you're not steeped in uh, any kind of Christian faith tradition, you've picked up from somewhere that the Bible in some way speaks to the end of days or the end times where the crap is going to hit the fan and a bunch of bad things happen and then maybe the story at that point gets a little murky for you. Are we living in those times? Is what we're seeing and hearing about around us, are those a harbinger of some kind of end of history climactic moment? And if it is, how are we supposed to understand and respond to that reality? Today, I want to begin a new teaching series through the book of Revelation. And I'm beginning this series with a message entitled, Apocalypse Now? I mean, that's a question that a lot of people are asking. And it's a question that the book of Revelation can give us a lot of clarity on if we engage its message seriously. Now, I'm excited to do that over the coming weeks. And I know not everybody might be. When I announce the series, some people might sort of move forward in their chair and say, oh, this is awesome, right? They might sit up a little straighter. They might get that burst of adrenaline. And some people may feel just a little hesitant to jump into this book that has a lot of notoriety. Um, it is infamous for uh, allowing all kinds of wild theories and speculations to be um, disseminated across uh, different churches and different Christian traditions. It's a weird book. It's a strange book. And it's not readily apparent how we're supposed to read it. And it's even more difficult when it comes to how are we supposed to apply it. But although this book is strange and it's written in a way that makes it uh, very difficult for us to immediately kind of grasp and quote unquote get this book is powerfully relevant and it is a perfect time to study through the revelation. And I hope that if you are one of those people who are hesitant or maybe for whatever reason, you avoid all things 
that have to do with end time prophecies or last of days speculation. I hope that as the weeks unfold and we move through these early chapters in Revelation, your excitement and anticipation is going to grow as well. Because this book has something for everybody. Okay, let me start with a bit of my personal backstory so that you know where I'm coming from as I move into this series studying this book. Revelation was the first book of the Bible that I ever studied after becoming a Christian in grade nine. Now, if someone were to become a Christian uh, at any age, but certainly in grade nine, I would definitely not recommend they start with the book of Revelation, but I came to faith through a group of uh, Christians who were part of the Salvation Army. And at that time, there was lots of, uh, um, I don't know if it, would be, if it would be fair to say an overwhelming emphasis, but there was an emphasis in their particular church at that time on study of the end times. There's a bit of an end times fervor happening. And so they would often talk about the end times. And so I would hear that and I had questions about that before I became a Christian. Then when I became a Christian and I started initially going to their church, I just assumed, oh, this is a big part of what Christians do. We learn about this really strange, mysterious book with dragons and uh, figures with swords coming out of their their mouth and the Battle of Armageddon. And we're trying to understand and decode how it applies to our life today. We kind of have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and we're seeing how it fits together and looking for the signs of the time before Jesus comes back. And um, there's... Um, these uh, teachings about hellfire and heaven and but it was all kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant and very exciting but also very mysterious so I got a book by Grant R. Jeffrey who in the 80s and 90s was a pretty prominent uh, teacher on the book of Revelation and biblical prophecy and symbolism. And I read through that book and I discussed that book with different Christians that I knew in my life at that time. Fast forward a few years. And after being in that mode where not the, not the sum totality of my Christian life was steeping in revelation, but a big part of it was, I found myself really, really tired and frustrated to be honest. I don't know when it happened, but at some point there was a a tipping point where I just kind of felt like all this speculation began to feel a little bit like grasping at straws. And I just found myself less and less motivated to read this book, to study it. I was told that there was huge blessing that came from heeding its words, but I was just feeling more and more in the dark. And then move forward another few years, I had sort of abandoned almost all energy and investment in any kind of end times, Bible prophecy, anything in that, what I would call that subculture of the church. I just didn't have time for it. To me, it felt like one huge distraction. And part of that was because even though I went deep into those waters for a number of years, In so many other areas of my Christian life, there was just a general lack of growth and discipleship. It seemed like reading and studying this book was not actually helping me form a comprehensive vision for discipleship, 
and helping me grow into my faith, it just felt like we were kind of circling the drain of current events, modern disasters, how does it fit into um, Bible timelines around the end times. And while that started as very, very interesting and very exciting because I felt like you were kind of decoding something and, and seeing this great mystery cohere together, it didn't necessarily help me grow in my relationship with God. I definitely can say with uh, certainty, it didn't help me grow deeply in my capacity to love and care for my neighbor and those around me. And in a lot of ways, it puffed me up. It, uh, it led to an, uh, an increase in my own sense of pride because I felt like I was gaining access to all this information that other people and even other Christians didn't get or didn't know. So it kind of seduced me into a, a, a way of thinking about myself that saw myself as superior to other people and superior to other Christians. So it didn't have the humbling grounding effect that I think deep study of God's word should have. Now, again, I don't put any of that on the actual book of Revelation. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on the precipice of starting a study through it. The book of Revelation will empower us to discipleship. It will give us a fresh vision for who Jesus is and who we are called to be during these times. It will ground you in reality and in your current reality, in humility and grace and in power. But the subculture that I was exposed to uh, caused me to kind of walk away from all things revelation for a number of decades. I mean, I would dip my toe in as it would relate to different series. I would move into the letter of the seven churches, which we'll read about early on in revelation and certainly revelation in the final few chapters are really, really important to me personally and theologically, but I avoided studying it as a book until this current COVID-19 crisis began to unfold. And as it did, and as a number of the other um, kind of phenomenon that I talked about at the start, 5G, rise of artificial intelligence, intelligence, earthquake, famines, rumors of conspiratorial plots, as those things began to kind of get woven in to this current crisis, I realized, wow, Revelation is a very timely book. It's a very necessary book for Christians to be grappling with, maybe in more ways that we uh, that might immediately occur to us. Some of us might come to Revelation and say, oh yeah, this would be a really good book to read because it deals with end times events and we might be in the end times, for sure. But Revelation as a book is just so powerfully relevant to our current situation, even if the question of are we living in the final days before Jesus's return, even if that was taken off the table, you're going to find out that Revelation is still imminently um, important for you to be studying and learning about during this time. Now, again, I know that many people avoid Revelation because during times of uncertainty, during times where there's a lot of fear and confusion, I've had people tell me that they just actually avoid reading the book because it fills them with more dread. It fills them with more fear. The events that they read about, the symbolism, um, they don't want to kind of add to the pile of, of fear. 
So they kind of treat Revelation as if it's sort of a fear-mongering book. But if that's the way you are reading and experiencing Revelation, then something has gone wrong. And I want to tell you that there's good news. The good news is Revelation can and should be read in a way that doesn't increase or amplify or exaggerate fear. But in times of crisis and uncertainty and fear and confusion, and even times where there's seemingly no hope, there might not be a more important book for you to study than Revelation. Because when its contents take hold of you, you will not be overwhelmed with fear. You will be overwhelmed with a holy boldness and a confidence to face your present reality, no matter how grim, no matter how dark, and to know and to live in a grounded, confident hope of the future and where you are moving to in that future. So if that sounds good. Let's get started. Let's start our study in prayer and then by looking at the first three verses in the book of Revelation. This is often labeled a prologue, but let's pray first. God, would you help me and help us learn about Revelation in a way that transforms our understanding of this book, of our faith, of the times that we live, and how to respond to those times in a way that brings you glory and the way and, and in ways that um, just obliterates the fear and the dread that may be hanging over us and within us and fills us with your hope and your light and your power and a confident hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Revelation 1, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Um, there are some tricky translation pieces in the book of Revelation that uh, I don't think are served as well by some of the uh, more contemporary translations. Although, well, we might show different translations at different points. But for these three verses, I, I really like the NRSV. It reads like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Okay, verse one, a few things to notice. The first letter, sorry, the first uh, word of the book is translated revelation, but the word in Greek is apocalypsis, from which we get the word apocalypse. And some older translations actually titled the book, The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, because this is the first word in that book. Now, we think of apocalypse, you know, um, the meaning that's tethered to that word for us is um, a disaster of devastating proportion, right? If you think about the way it's used to refer to, let's say, post-apocalyptic movies or po post-apocalyptic settings in TV shows, right? Like, like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. These are settings where something catastrophic has occurred and it has devastated the landscape and now... There are a ragtag group of uh, people that are collecting in tribes and trying to sort of 
re-engage and survive as a people or as a tribe in the wake of this devastation. So for us, the word apocalypse is heavily skewed to the negative and the disastrous. But that is not what the word apocalypsis means in Greek. And that's not how the book of Revelation is meant to present itself to us out of the gates in terms of tone. The tone of this first word in this book is not one of dread, but it is one of powerful hope. Because the word apocalypsis means an unveiling or a revealing. New Testament scholar Robert Mount says, the work designates itself, the work meaning the book of Revelation, it designates itself as an apocalypse or an unveiling. Had God not taken the initiative, the human mind could never have understood the real forces in the world, nor could anyone have known how it would all turn out. So as an apocalypse, as an unveiling, this book makes known what we could not have found out for ourselves. Now, that's really important because to make something known is to make it more evident, to make it more clear, right? When I open up my presents on a Christmas morning, that's a mini apocalypse. It's a miniature unveiling of something that was wrapped up, that was concealed, that is now being revealed so that I can take hold of it and grasp it. So instead of understanding this book as one of dread and confounding mystery, we should understand that it's being demanded to be read as an unveiling of a mystery so that we can see and understand it and apply it. This is a revelation, meaning it's from God. It's not something that we conjured up. It's not speculation on John's part, this is a revelation given to increase clarity. And it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the center and purpose of the book. A lot of people connect the book of Revelation with uh, end times or the Antichrist or the mark of the beast. And we can get into some of those topics and those debates later on. But Revelation is a book about an apocalypse of Jesus, a revealing of who Jesus is, who he is currently, not who he was. What do I mean by that? Scripture makes it very clear. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning who he, who he is in his character and in his glory does not change. But who he is in his authority and who he is in his authority uh, has changed. So, for example, when we're reading the Gospels, we are not reading about the resurrected and ascended and installed Lord of heaven and earth. We're reading about Jesus, who, as Philippians 2 said, gave up a certain level of that power. What Revelation shows us and what it reveals is who Jesus is now and how we ought to see and engage with him now. So that Jesus that is installed with all authority over heaven and on earth and sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the Jesus who is disclosed to us in the book of Revelation. Now, in some translations, you might have the revelation from Jesus Christ. The translation that I use says the revelation of Jesus Christ. And because of the 
um, because of the way the sentence is constructed, trans translators will go either way with this. But as one commentator says, the revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which could mean either that the revelation was made by Jesus or that it was made about Jesus or that it even belongs to Jesus. But in one way or another, all three are true. And what I want us to hear there is that Jesus is the center and the purpose of the book. That's going to get reemphasized when we look at this next section, at uh, the next section next Sunday. But Jesus is the point of the book of Revelation. It continues on and says, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So this is a revelation given to John through an angel to reveal to his servants, um, the church, what must soon take place. Now, as we'll discover as this series unfolds, there's a different understanding. There's different interpretations of what what must soon take place means. Does that mean literally that the things that we read about in Revelation took place very soon in relation to the first century readers that were given it? So our, when, we, we, when we read Revelation, are we reading history because it all happened in the past? Or is this about things that will take place suddenly at a undisclosed point in the future. So are we reading uh, prophecies that have to do with the future? We'll look into that and begin to um, explain some of the different ways that Christians have understood that as the series progresses. This is sent through an angel to the servant John. We'll recap who John is and his story leading up to this point next week. Notice in verse 3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Now again, notice this book is called a revelation. It's called an apocalypse. It's also It also refers to itself as a prophecy. Now, that's a really rich word in the biblical tradition, especially when it's grounded in the Old Testament, but it um, it means a disclosing of the true nature of reality and can often disclose future events. So what Revelation, what this apocalypse is going to do is to give us a new understanding, new eyes to see our current reality. And at least to the first century readers, but maybe to us as well, it also discloses future events that are going to take place. Did you notice that it said, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and the ones who hear it? This book is meant to be proclaimed and to be heard. That doesn't mean I think it's wrong or sinful to simply read through Revelation silently, but this is a book that says the mode that this book is supposed to be experienced is primarily to hear. And so what I've been doing is I've been listening to Revelation chapter by chapter every day leading up to this series. And that's been a powerful experience. And it, the blessing here is connected to reading it aloud. So if we read it aloud to ourselves or we have it read aloud to us, 
And we do so with a heart that says, I want to hear this. And obviously not just hear it, but I want to understand it. I want this to um, penetrate my heart, transform my mind and my imagination so that I can keep the truths that are written in it in my life. Lastly, I want us to see here that verse 3 makes it very clear. Sorry, verses uh, 1 to 3, the whole thing, this, this opening prologue makes it very clear that Revelation is a book for everyone. It is not so esoteric and mysterious that it's meant to just be left up to uh, theologians who are willing to do the complex hard work of navigating these very strange, symbolic, apocalyptic waters. And they are strange, and they are complex. We'll, we'll see that as the book unfolds. But Revelation is not some secret, strange book full of codes that you have to unlock in order to truly grasp it. Now, is it an easy book? to immediately read and grasp? No, but it's very clear that this revelation is given by God to disclose things that are hidden and mysterious and to make them plain, to make them known. As one commentator writes, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ given by God to his servants, meaning the church. And if I am one of those who serve Jesus, then this book is for me. And this book is for me. However irrelevant it con its contents may feel to me when I first read about them, this book is for me. And it behooves me, therefore, to preserve in reading it. Sorry, to persevere in reading it so that I may receive the blessing its author promises me. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ given to the church so that we know how to make sense of the times that we find ourselves in, what is actually going on in reality, and how to faithfully respond as people who are seeking to honor Jesus with our lives. Scott Duvall, along with J. Daniel Hayes, teach a biblical interpretation course through Zondervan Academic, which is kind of the academic wing of Zondervan Zondervan's Christian publishing book line. And they share a number of principles for, well, they call them tips on how to read and understand the book of Revelation. They've got a lot of wisdom and insight, and I'm going to sort of um, dole that out in little increments, especially over the first um, six to eight chapters as we move through uh, uh, this book. But as we start this series, there's two pieces of counsel that I'm really keeping in mind as we move through this book. And, and I really think uh, you do, you need to keep these things in mind as well. I think this is really good pastoral counsel to anybody who really wants to read and understand Revelation faithfully. And those two pieces of advice are read Revelation with humility and try to discover the message of Revelation to its original readers. So I'm going to 
read what they write for both of those because it's not very long, but um, very, very important to frame how we engage this book. So the first is read Revelation with humility. They write, Christians should resist Revelation-made-easy approaches. Revelation is not an easy book. If you're unwilling to live with any kind of uncertainty around its symbolism or message, then you're more likely to read into Revelation things that are not there. Beware of interpreters or teachers who appear to have all the answers to even the smallest questions arising in the book of Revelation. Quote-unquote experts who claim absolute knowledge about every detail of Revelation should immediately raise suspicion with us. Read Revelation, they write, with an open mind. Be willing to admit that your interpretation could be wrong and be prepared to change your view if the biblical evidence points in a different direction. So that's a good summons to read this book and to engage it with humility. This is a book that has confounded Christians for thousands of years in some of its particularities. And so we can get, this is a book where it's very possible to get lost in the weeds. But if we keep um, our eyes fixed on the truth that this is a revelation of who Jesus is and how we respond to him in the times we find ourselves in, um, we can move through this book uh, well and fruitfully. The second piece of advice is the advice that I would give to anybody studying any book of the Bible, which is let's try to discover how the book's message would have been understood to the original readers. They write, discovering the message to the original audience is the top priority with any book of the Bible, but especially this one. The first Christians were blessed for hearing and obeying Revelation, that's verse 3, and the book is described as an unsealed or open book, even for people living in John's day. We read about that in Revelation 22, verse 10. They write, when it comes to reading Revelation, the tendency is actually to ignore the first Christians and their understanding of it and jump directly into how this applies to us today. And then they have this in bold. They say, some people use today's newspapers as the key to interpreting Revelation. That was my experience, right? I told you that, that we were kind of taught to have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and you kind of uh, figure out how these um, kind of mash together, and eventually all those puzzle pieces will come together and you'll kind of see this big picture and have this aha moment. But as New Testament scholar Craig Keener notes in his commentary, on the book of Revelation, this approach actually doesn't fit very well with a high view of scripture. He says, the newspaper approach assumes that we must be living in the last Christian generation. But that also implies that in Revelation, God wasn't really speaking to the first Christians. But isn't that arrogant on our part as contemporary readers? I mean, what if Christ doesn't return until AD 4000? Would that mean that it's useless for us to study it? Would Revelation still have a message for us, even if we weren't the last generation? See, if our interpretation doesn't make sense for the original readers, then we've probably missed something in the passage. 
Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart remind us of how important it is to discover the message to the original audience. They write, as with the epistles, the primary meaning of Revelation is what John intended it to mean, which in turn must also have been something his readers would have understood it to mean. They say, we must understand what Revelation meant in John's day in order to understand what it means for today. And I totally agree with them. So those two principles, to read Revelation with humility, to grapple with it seriously, but to also be willing to have our minds changed where the biblical evidence um, leads us to that conclusion, that's really, really important. And something that I'm going to be doing through this whole series is regardless of how we understand and interpret some of the particulars of Revelation, I'm going to do my best to make sure we understand how these texts and how these truths would have been understood by the original audience to which the letter was intended. Okay, that's probably enough for today. Remember the meaning of the apocalypse? An apocalypse is something that isn't disastrous or catastrophic. A biblical apocalypse is an unveiling. It's to reveal something so that it can be made known. And that means that this revelation of Jesus Christ is meant to make things not more opaque, not more confusing, but more transparent. Revelation is meant to show who Jesus is and how to respond to the times that we find ourselves in as his people with more clarity than we would otherwise have if we had never studied it. So let that be an encouragement to you. So apocalypse now? I hope so. Because this apocalypse is for you and for me and for today. And that is very good news. So are you ready for it? Are you ready to see what may currently be hidden from you? And are you prepared to encounter the truth that things are more than they appear to be? Let's pray and ask God to lead us into this revelation, this apocalypse. Jesus, we want to see you for who you really are. We want to see reality for how it really is. We want to understand the times that we are living in from your perspective so that we know how to respond in a way that is faithful and true and wise and allows us to be your people at this time. Holy Spirit, please guard our hearts from arrogance when it comes to this book. God, may your spirit lead us into deeper humility, but also deeper understanding so that we can have confident hope in who you are and where you are leading us. And that hope would transform us in our everyday lives, even as we move through these unsettling, strange times. And I pray and ask this for myself, for this church, for this community. And I pray and ask it in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.